Kelly. Patrick, hi. Um, girl, we have a lot to talk about. We've got you guys. Before we get to the show, we we had a, twi- a Twitter visitor. There's just there's no other way to talk about it. I mean, he walked in and my heart went boom. <laughs> Dylan from Tickled, you guys. Our new boyfriend, Dylan. Our new boyfriend, Dylan, who's like tweeting us about the movie. And I'm his favorite. I know. I which... know you are. I know you are. <laughs> no, come on, Dylan. Come over. I don't know what to say. I know, I'm like, I know. I'm, we, we were Wait, fangirling like who, crazy. Uh, somebody else from the movie. Um, Mr. David Starr. You guys, David Starr, the porno guy. What? Who like crazy David D'Amato was sending those letters like about his dead brother. I know, horrible. He, and like even his tweet sounded like exactly what he would say. I know. He was just like, yeah, I I did that. Those yeah, guys yep, were weirdos. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David Ferrier, where are you at? What's happening? Oh join, join this Twitter party. I love David Ferrier too. And um, there was recently a picture of him in a onesie from Target on on Twitter. Am I Are you okay? Mouth? I'm not okay. Right? I'm right? not okay. Okay, you guys, quick update. So there is a 17-minute follow-up to Tickled called the what is it called? The Tickle King? Yeah. Which you can watch on there's I think on the website. It's on T- YouTube. Yeah, you, you can watch it anywhere. Yeah. But it basically well, Jillian, take it away. Oh boy. Well, it's basically a, a follow-up to Tickled, and it's the movie is now out and it's at Sundance. And it's basically how David D'Amato and Kevin and Marco are like not letting it go. No, but like David D'Amato, who made a one minute cameo in in the Tickle movie, like tracks down the LA screen where Dylan, David is not there. David's in New York. Dylan's in LA. Yeah, they split up the press. Yeah. And Dylan is doing this Q&A and David D'Amato was there. As Dylan walks into the cinema, he meets the last person we ever expected to turn up. Hey guys, thanks so much for coming out to the New Art. Let's give a round of applause for Tickle here. David D'Amato has just watched the entire movie. And there's this scene where I'm like, oh, God, Dylan. Has, <laughs> first of all, Dylan has, like, the biggest heart. Just he's, I know. He has so many, the, all the patience in the world. I know. And David D'Amato is, like, heckling him. And so Dylan's like, hold on, everybody, and goes and, like, tr- tries to shake his hand. And David D'Amato does this thing. I know people who do this. It drives me fucking nuts. They keep the handshake going as they have this yes, really aggressive yes, conversation. Yes. And I've been the person who just wants to get out of that handshake. And so Dylan is just calmly like handshaking. And David D'Amato's like, just again with the, remember when he was like, oh, you don't have the right visa to right. David? Yeah. They were like, he was like, you can't film this here. This is, and, and Dylan's like, this is public property and we have all the rights. What are you talking about? We can film in here. This is a private space. In fact, you can't. We have permission from the owners. That that does not have anything to do with the California ordinance for the county of Los Angeles. That's not a criminal statute. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's a it's a civil statute. We can be fined, perhaps. I mean, if that's if that's what it takes. Tell you what. But the the thing about David D'Amato is that he stays for the Q and A, and he sits down with this bucket of popcorn, and he's eating the popcorn in the most disgusting way possible. Really, like oddly enjoying himself. I know. If I was mad and anxious and angry, I don't know if I. I mean, he looks relaxed. He does. And then, and then Dylan, of course, the Saint Dylan is like, "Hey, do you want to be part of the Q and A?" And he just starts like responding, yelling from his seat. <laughs> and, and Dylan's like, "No, dude. Like, if you want to be part of the Q and A, I." either get your ass up here and right. be part of it or I nice St. Dylan will bring you the microphone but we're right. not gonna have like right. a scream you're not gonna scream at me from your chair with your popcorn and as we say in New York Los Angeles TV you need to lawyer up 
You need to get criminal counsel now. If you see the looks on the faces of the people in the background, they cannot believe If that. you guys were there, email us. I need I know, to know, I know a story. Because it's like, it's like the boogeyman is there. Right. And like when they, they go outside afterwards and they're just like Marco and David D'Amato and all these people are like standing out there and people are just like taking cell phone videos. It's insane. Yeah. And then it basically ends with Dylan and David D'Amato having this conversation about homosexuality right oh and my god Dylan's it's like, so bizarre it's totally fine you obviously are a family man i am yeah being farriers by his own admission now um yeah he's bisexual but it's not really right. important i don't see the alliance look i find that kind i find homophobia problematic i don't i'm not a person remotely. You guys, the, the end 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 of this whole thing is that eventually David D'Amato dies. On right. David Ferrier's Twitter account, he was saying that he didn't commit suicide. He died of a heart attack. Yeah, it was sudden, but it wasn't. It wasn't there was mysterious. no foul play involved. Yeah. And he, I guess he like left all of his stuff to another person who is still like taking legal action against the guys. And running Jane O'Brien Media. Right. And, but the end, end, end movie <laughs> of the movie, or 17 minute thing, is that... They're like, they stopped the tickle cell in LA or whatever, but then they were like, we found this new video. Spike Pumpkin here. Thank you for the car. I hope to live up to your expectations. This is Ryan Pumpkin filming Spike Pumpkin for his tickle talk. And they call themselves like Spike Pumpkin. It's those two brothers. Oh, and it's God. like Spike and Mike Pumpkin or whatever the hell they are. And um, but they don't play the video. It's just like the faces of the kid, the like young guys are blurred. They go by pumpkin. It's very strange. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know, like I wouldn't say I'm ticklish. And then it's like credits. And I'm like, you guys! <laughs> no, you just gotta be like casual yeah. about it, right? Alright. Yeah, so I'm like a I'd say if I was like to say how ticklish I am. So Dylan, what is like, and I Googled it like, a, and then I was like, I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to Google it because like, who knows what I'm going to find. So D- Dylan, if you could tweet us or, you know, send us, give us a call or whatever. Dylan, um, we love you so much. If you're in New York, come be on our podcast. Totally. Oh my God. That would be I know. the can greatest. You, can you imagine if you were sitting right here at no. this table right now? No. I, I would lose, lose my, my mind. mind. Julian Pensavalli. Patrick Hines. <laughs> <laughs> that was so unplanned. Oh, thanks. Um, girl, what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about tabloid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where do we where do we even start with Joyce McKinney and this crazy, insane insanity. Once upon a time, there was a little princess, the most beautiful little princess in all the land. Kinky sex, religion, the beauty queen, Mormon missionaries, kidnap at gunpoint. There was something in that story for everyone. It was a perfect tabloid story. When I met my Kirk, it was like in the movies. When Juliet looks at Romeo and it's pew. She had fallen in love with him and become obsessed by him. The next thing I know, he vanished into thin air. I found him in England. The Mormons had him. Joyce set up this plan. I knew there was only one way to get Kirk out of Mormonism, and that was to make love with him. Kirk and I went to this cottage. We made love for three days. It was like a honeymoon. This bizarre story began here last Wednesday. A young Mormon missionary was kidnapped, driven to a house, blindfolded, and his legs shackled. I couldn't believe it. It was just like shock. It was in all the papers. Were you surprised to be put in prison? I really didn't feel I'd done anything wrong. Scenario number one, fake gun, chloroform, tied up, sexual impropriety. (laughs) 
second version is Joyce's story. The Mormons get him, brainwash him, and all of a sudden he's claiming rape. A guy that wants to have sex or he doesn't. That's like putting a marshmallow in a parking meter. The British Isles was on fire with the Joyce McKinney story. I was a celebrity. She was having the time of her life. Disguises and wigs. Worms crawl out of the woodwork when you become famous. They had a tip. 38, 24, 36. Your fantasy is her speciality. The press went crazy. They said I was a whore. Oh my heck, as they say in Utah. She went barking mad. <laughs> she disappeared a day later. It's not a porno story like these crazy newspapers have tried to make. It's a love story. You know, you can tell a lie long enough till you believe it. All right, can you introduce us to our sort of hero? She's, uh, <laughs> I mean, by, she's the star. <laughs> Just ask her, she'll tell you. What is her name? Joyce McKinney. Tell us about Joyce McKinney. Well, Joyce McKinney started dating late in life. <laughs> she's putting that accent on, is I, she not? Uh, right before she put on that wig. Oh, <laughs> snap. You guys, we are off and running. Welcome to True Crime Obsessed. So we start like it, it's it's a very sensational. It's done in a very sensational way. It's Errol Morris, who's just a, a genius. Yeah. So it's called tabloid, and he's like doing that 100. percent And totally. the style of it is great. And it's whatever. really great. So yeah. we open on this this like video of her in the 70s reading her oh, own book. Oh my god! It is in the third person. Yeah. Someday, she would find her kind, handsome prince, and he would sweep her up on a big white horse, and he would take her away and marry her, and they would live happily ever after. Hi, I'm Joyce McKinney, and that's from my pending book, A Very Special Love Story. Um, And then we cut to, like, present-day Joyce, who is totally putting on that accent, tells us that she has a 168 IQ. (laughs) I love that Errol Morris off camera is like, how high was that IQ, though? Uh, Come on. (laughs) And we hear him often, so I'm I'm shocked we didn't hear him be like, really? (laughs) Started dating very late in life, didn't start dating until I was, like, 17. Was in an accelerated program. For kids with high IQs. How high was your IQ? 168. <laughs> so we learn about Joyce. We learn that she was like, if she said all American one more time, I was going to blow my gay head off. <sighs> yeah. And she hadn't been around much until she went to Utah. <laughs> right. Like, that's the, like, <laughs> usually you say, like, I haven't really been around. And then I went to Spain. Right. Totally. And then she went to Utah. Utah. I hadn't been out in the world much till I went to Utah. You know, I hadn't been around much. She met a good friend named Marilyn Clark. Was there anything Marilyn Clark wouldn't do? No, not a <laughs> single solitary thing, according to uh, to Joyce. There wasn't anything Marilyn didn't do. Smoke, drink, have sex with Hell's Angels. I mean, this is a wild child. We were exact opposites. She used to call me holier than Adam McKinney because I was so straight. But And then it's you're looking at it and you're like, Joyce, are you trying to act like you're the... That's what you're trying to do, aren't you? From right. the very beginning that you're this wholesome, all-American. Sorry, yeah, I have to say exactly. it. exactly. You know, she wanted a real special man or whatever <laughs> And that's the whole thing said. where, like, people kept saying that, like, you can have any man you want. You can have any man you want. She's like, well, I know that. Yeah. But I want a special guy. I want a special guy. Exactly. 18-wise. <laughs> like, all right. But there were a lot of men attracted to you. Well, I guess so. I don't know. I'm not that vain. And I'd say... But I was looking, I, I wasn't looking for just any guy. I wanted a special guy. I wanted a special guy. She says that her professor introduced her to all these Mormons. 
And then she's like, This was no the one, weirdest thing. No one told me about Mormons, y'all. Right. They they thought, you know, they went to a church, but they, they made me think they they were church and family oriented, but really they just want their own planet. I was a moth to a flame. And I'm like Is this accent gonna be the whole time? No. <laughs> Um, they didn't tell me what Mormonism was all about. He didn't say we're a group that believes that Jesus was a polygamist and was married to Mary Magdalene. He didn't say we believe that God lives on a star named Kolob. He didn't say we believe that black people were cursed with the mark of Cain. They made me think they were a church. So she was like, you know, she was really into these clean cut guys because she wants really she wants us to think that she's clean cut and all American. And so right. that was who she yeah, wanted. Exactly. So when she sees these Mormons, she's like, oh, my God. Tell me everything. But she doesn't know at this point they are what she is referring to as a cult. Right. Yeah. And so she has this big old sheepdog and this Corvette. Right. And she's driving in the Corvette and then someone else pulls up in his Corvette. Right. And it turns out to be Kirk. And they have this stupid conversation about yeah. like. How's your Corvette? Fine. How's your Corvette? Fine. How's yours? Do you want to get in? And it's just like, how many times are you asking each other about the Corvette? <laughs> they have a Corvette off. They do. And he pulled him beside me and <clears throat> cleared his throat. And he goes, like your car. I go, thanks. I like yours too. He goes, I really like yours better. Like, I want to drive it. <laughs> The funny thing about th- what's happening while she's, like, talking about how cute he is is that we get it, like, cut with this, like, one of those, like, tabloid reporters from London, Peter Tory. It's the Daily Express. Peter Tory is literally, like, he was big and fat and flabby. Yeah, he yeah he <laughs> says flabby, not athletic. He was very big. Cut to Joyce, and she's like, he was my dream, like, just like a dream to her. Right. Kirk Anderson was a very big, rather flabby, 300-pound, six-foot-three not athletic or attractive looking man in the accepted sense of the word who had a very shuffly kind of walk the last person in the world that you think would be the 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 object of this kind of strange sexual passion and this is the beginning of the juxtaposition it's like joyce's side and then reality exactly so um kirk takes her home to meet his mormon mother and how did that go oh not well And I remember he took me home to meet his Mormon mother, and she was this big, oh, huge woman, about 350 pounds in a tent dress, and she took one look at me with my little beauty queen figure, and her eyes went up, and her eyes went down, and she goes, she doesn't look like a Mormon to me. This is also a woman who's like, I don't want attention at all. Look at me while I'm demanding I don't want any attention. This is my better side when I demand I don't want any attention. Like... And, you know, Joyce tries to use the I'm too pretty argument. (laughs) That's why nobody likes her. And it's like, look, Mormons are very set in their ways. They want, you know, they're no caffeine, no this, no that. Like, they are very strict. So you come along in your Corvette and, like, talking about how you're a beauty queen. She's talking about how much she's a beauty queen now. Right, I know. Imagine when she was 19. Come on. Right. So the mother was probably like, who, what on, what my heck? Like, no. She's a race. We're going to get to this like weird gay ex-Mormon. Troy? Yeah. We're going to get to him in a minute, but he does introduce us to the expression. Oh my heck. Oh my heck. Y'all. Oh my heck, as they say in Utah. They immediately decide to get married. According to Joyce. According to Joyce. On the very first night they meet, he, he says he loves her. Uh And then on the second night he proposes marriage. Right. 
And she's like, okay, yes, let's do this. Right. And she here's fi- the, their first fight, everybody. Right. He wants, she wants to get married in a Christian church. Right. He wants to get married in a Mormon church. Or she says he's getting pressure to do the other one. She like doesn't even say it by name. Right. And then one day, Kirk, poof, evaporates into thin air. And Kirk Anderson, as we know him, is gone. Kirk and I were just ready for the big wedding and everything was happy. The only problem is I was wanting to get married in the Christian church and he was getting pressure from the other side. And so one day he vanished into thin air. Now she makes a very clear point that he vanished. What did he not do? Leave her for anyone else. Leave her for a non-beauty queen. Leave her for a Mormon. Leave her for someone who didn't have two good sides like she clearly does. Leave her for someone who doesn't want attention. I don't mean he left me. I don't mean he abandoned me. I don't mean he left me for another woman. I mean he evaporated into thin air. And now this is really where the story starts to become like a what really happened. Because what's the gay kid's name? Troy? Troy. Troy, we this we we meet Troy soon, and he's talking about like the mission and how like every Mormon boy all of their life is told that they're going to go on a mission, and that's their that's their calling. That's what they have to do. You had Book of Mormon stuck in your head too, right? Yeah. Where will I go on my mission? <laughs> that's it. All young men um, in the in the church from the time that we're young boys were indoctrinated to. to prepare to go on a mission. We sing songs like, I hope they call me on a mission. You leave as a boy, you come back as a man. A couple of things could have happened. He could have like just left on his mission and been like, this girl's crazy. I don't want, I don't love her anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know how to tell her that I have to go do this thing. Or he could have told, like, there's so many ways this could actually have gone down. Right. Especially if they only knew each other two days. Like, this mission could right. have been planned for months. Right. So Kirk is gone, and she decides she's going to move somewhere and get a job and hire a private investigator to find him. Somehow she picks Los Angeles. We have no, no, we don't know why, but she, like, moves to Los Angeles, where she says she gets- You know why. Why? Because LA, she's a starlet. Right. Come on. But she never says it like that. She's like, um, I moved to LA and I worked three jobs to pay for a private investigator to find him. Yeah, we'll find out what those jobs are a little later, you guys. <laughs> and where do they find him, Jillian? In the UK, yeah. quote, kidnapped by the Mormons. <laughs> oh. The private investigator found him in England. The Mormons had him. So he has gone to the UK to do his mission. And Joyce assembles a team of people. Well, she tries her damnedest. <laughs> To go to England with her and, quote, save him. So first in our cast of characters, <laughs> KJ, right. a.k.a. Keith Joseph May. A.k.a. This bitch. Unclear. Unclear. I had a really good friend from Torrance, California. He was an architect. His name was Keith Joseph May. Everybody called him KJ. KJ was like my big brother. And he said to me, I don't want you going over there to England by yourself. Said, you don't know what they're going to do to you. Says right, you know, in the tabloid font, accomplice, and you're like, oh shit! I know, right, I right, know, totally. Right. So he goes with Joyce to the UK. We don't have his side of the story because, unfortunately, he died in 2004. But what they do is they put an ad in the paper for bodyguards. Oh my god, this ad is unreal. Can I read it? Because I wrote it all out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Here is the one ad, you guys. It is out of control. In caps, free trip to Europe. Parentheses, big adventurous dude wanted. <laughs> Must be WM, which means white male. Oh, is Ooh, that what that means? I Googled it. <laughs> w slash M, white Thank male. Thank God for Urban Dictionary. Right? Over 6'2", at least 210 pounds. Seeking a Rocky or Mr. Atlas type. <laughs> Prefer bodybuilder 
or musician. <laughs> Ready? This is this is this is where you're just like, what on earth is this? All expenses paid if you help a lovely fox fulfill a unique romantic sexual fantasy as part of her wedding party. <laughs> Must be available August and September. Serious replies only. Leave a message for Heidi K. Oh, my God. And once we hit musician, it goes off the rails. <laughs> Bodybuilder or musician, all expenses paid if you help a lovely fox fulfill a unique romantic sexual fantasy for her wedding party. I know. They actually, they talk here about how they go to Gold's Gym. They hire, like, bodyguards. They get a pilot. Like Yeah. So... The pilot, well, first, real quick, Gil Parker is who shows up for the ad. Oh, my God. And within a week, he's like, I'm out. So yeah. Gil Parker, <laughs> we, that's he finally got some sense knocked into him. And another ad they put in the paper was for, like, a pilot a for pilot. short short trips to England. I'm like, what the hell's a short trip? Like, I know. weekend trips right. or whatever. So Jackson Shaw answers their ad. I love Jackson Jackson Shaw. And by the way, when we will see a picture of him eventually. And he was a fox back then. And he had a thing for Joyce. Yes. <laughs> I was interested in something a little bit more exciting than what I was doing. I saw an ad in the newspaper. They wanted a pilot to fly short trips in England. And it sounded kind of interesting to me. So I called the phone number and a gentleman answered and an appointment was made for the following week. I was expecting to go to an office or something like that, but it turned out to be an apartment building. She was wearing a see-through blouse. He said that about 18 oh times. He had to Tell go me to one her... more time about the see-through blouse, I know. Jackson. He had to go to her apartment for his interview. I was taken in by a gentleman by the name of Keith. And after I was there for a few minutes, why, Joyce came out. Tell me about that first meeting. Well, <clears throat> I was favorably impressed. She had a totally see-through blouse on. I can even remember the color. It was a light brown, totally see-through blouse. No bra. No bra, see-through blouse. I mean, it's just, the whole thing is a, a bunch of shenanigans. And the thing that Jackson tells us is that she is super charming. Yes. Maybe it was a see-through blouse. I don't know. But <laughs> she does tell him this story. My, you know, I was in love. I was going to get married. Mormons kidnapped the love yeah. of my life. And they took him away. And I need help. And will you help me? That This is the story that no she's telling everybody. No matter what happens, she be- no matter what actually happened, she believes that this is what happened. At least, especially today. Yeah. I don't know. Then she might. I, yeah, I guess she had to believe it. Why totally. would you go through all that if no. you didn't, right? So they go, they actually. So this this cast of characters: is- <laughs> Joyce, Gill, Jackson, and KJ get uh-huh. on a flight. They go to London because they are going to rescue him. And they, as soon as they get to customs, Gill, the bodyguard, gets pulled out of line, gets totally freaked out. Then they get to the hotel, and out comes all of the hidden. Audio equipment. Right. They took out wireless microphone and listening devices. It was something you could probably just have carried through customs, but they had it inside of a portable radio. Well, when Gil seen this, that about did it for him. That was when he called me outside and said he wanted to go back the next day. And Gil is like, I am out of here. There's a Gil-shaped hole in the door, and it's gigantic because he's a bodyguard, and Gil is out. And that's the end of Gil. Bye, Gil. Gil is fine. So they wanted to find, everyone's like, are we going to find Kirk? And and then, so they find him, they go to like a church and they find him there. And then Jackson's like, so we're sitting in the car, out comes the chloroform, <laughs> out comes the fake gun. And Jackson's like, what? And that's when Jackson's out. So Jackson leaves. Uh, we're across uh, in front of a building, out come two young men dressed in suits, a tie and a white shirt. And she told me, there is Kirk. 
Well, I was totally surprised. This was nobody being held captive. And that's when Joyce kind of leveled with me. She showed me a bottle of chloroform, and I'd already seen this phony gun they had. I was going to be no part of any of this. And I told her that. I just have a lot of questions about chloroform, Out you guys. Out comes the chloroform. Can you imagine? It like, has the skull and crossbones on every <laughs> bottle, right? It has to. And it comes with a little rag, right? The like, <laughs> the like dirty rag that's been used way too many times. Like, and the bottle's half empty always, right? <laughs> but I don't know if they use the chloroform or not. And we never hear from Kirk because I guess you forget if you've been chloroformed. I don't know. But what happens is that Keith goes into the church. Like, <laughs> Keith goes into this church pretending that he wants to be a Mormon to, like, right. like bait Kirk. Keith is like, but I need, I want to talk to you about it outside. And they're like, okay. Right. The thing <sighs> is, though, like, then you hear Joyce's side of it. And Joyce's side of it is that KJ goes in and finds Kirk and, and is like, Kirk, Joyce is in the car. And Kirk is like, great, let's get, we're out of here. I waited and KJ went in because they're not supposed to be in the room alone with girls. So KJ went in and said, Joyce is in the car. And Kirk turned around and he threw the keys to his companion and said, I've got to go out in the car and get something. I'll be right back. And once Kirk is in the car, we get introduced to Kirk 1 and Kirk 2. Right. So first, Joyce says that he was very animated. Oh, my God, Joyce is in the car. I, I, I need to get there. And then she says that when he's in the car, he's monotone and, like, they wouldn't let me see you. And right. I'm like, wait, so they was he excited? Like, was he a normal person who was excited to see you or was yeah. he a robot who was been brainwashed? Totally. It was like he had a personality alteration. Kirk number one and Kirk number two. Kirk number one was the man I fell in love with. Kirk number two was cult Kirk. She literally, they drive like two and a half hours to this little town called Devon where there's like a, a, a cabin. Right. So they get to this cabin and it's just like, we get so many different versions of this story. How'd you find this place? Well, I was looking for someplace peaceful where he could normalize. Someplace where he could come back to Kirk number one. I had a big fireplace patchwork quilt silk sheets blue to match his eyes with his initials on it cinnamon oil back rub because he loved my back rubs and uh all his favorite foods in the fridge and then we hear from peter the journalist for the daily express according to all the reports of the time he was driven 250 miles to a cottage in devon she had a suitcase full of all the equipment required including, I gather, some Los Angeles uh, Police Department Smith & Wesson handcuffs. Because he says the thing, he was like, he was tied up. You know, Joyce says ropes, but chained up just <laughs> makes for a better story. So he was chained to the bed. He was taken in and chained to... Joyce claims it was ropes, not chains, but chain sounds better. Anyway. And I'm like... <laughs> I kind of love how they're just I like, know. it's trashier this way. It's, so these are the facts. It's just trashier this way. It's better. I, re I oddly respect that where it's like, girl, I know. you know what? I know. Someone's got to make the paper. And he says that like at first they had him tied by the feet so that he could go to the bathroom. But then they had to like, what are they? What's the word? Spread eagle. Spread eagle, this the guy. The spread eagle. Right, and and exactly. Peter says it. Oh, he was like, oh, isn't that such a great bondage I, word? Spread eagle. I, and I'm like, Peter. He was allegedly chained to a bed, first by his ankle, 
so that he could actually reach the toilet. The chain was long enough for him to get to the toilet. Subsequently, with the help of Keith May, was spread eagled, was spread eagled, which is a wonderful bondage word, was spread eagled to the bed. <laughs> and uh, Keith May discreetly left the room at this point, I think, closed the door behind him. And, and Joyce had sex with him. And now, according to, I guess what we'll call, like, re- not Joyce's side of the story, right. is that she had sex with Kirk repeatedly, and she was going to continue to do this until she got pregnant. Correct. So now we're going to flip into all the puppies and rainbows and the singing. Right, so this is Joyce's With version. all the animals that help her get dressed in the morning. Oh and my this God. is her, her And it's story. just too much. Like, this whole story is just too much. It, they're playing house. Right. And they start dancing. And he gets turned on. (gasps) He got turned on as we were dancing. I'll be blunt. He had an erection, okay? And uh, we sat down in the bed, and he said, can you give me a back rub? So she goes to give him a back rub, and she discovers the the magic under the Mormon undergarments. They literally call it magic underwear. Yeah. And Troy explains to us that the the underwear, the garments, are meant to actually protect you from evil. Yeah. There's folk stories galore, legends of the temple garment protecting people from harm. The hooks, the psychic hooks of the temple are so high and so deep that even people who don't go to church anymore still wear them. Because in the back of their mind, like, what if I don't wear them and then uh, Satan's got me? She literally rips the fake underwear, the, the magic underwear off of him. Because she doesn't want anything ugly in her honeymoon cottage. And it cottage. smells and we're like, we got a choice. Yeah. And Boys she, are bur- she burned them. I kind of loved this moment where she's like, and, you uh, ripped off his magic underwear and, and I threw them in the it. fireplace where they belonged. <laughs> where they should put them all as far as I'm concerned. I was like, damn girl. Damn girl. I know. So then Joyce goes on to say that. Kirk is impotent because of the brainwashing. Right. She feels the need to spell out that word. <laughs> Impotence. I-M-P-O-T-E-N-C-E. And the only way to break that spell was to have sex with him. Right. That's that's how she's do. That's she had no choice. You guys, he was brainwashed. <laughs> the only thing she could do is forcibly have sex with him, also known as rape him. Right. 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 Exactly. Because for a Mormon missionary to have a love affair is totally taboo. They can't be in a room alone with a girl without their companion with them. To even shake hands. So if it took giving up my virginity in a romantic moonlit cottage, so be it. I just wanted him out of that cult. So they start getting into it. Kirk freaks out. Yeah. And Joyce starts like speaking in tongues and like screaming words Joyce's in the Book impression. of Mormon. Joyce is also like, she's super rude and disrespectful. She's a nightmare. Yeah. We started to make love. And all of a sudden he jumps up in, on the bed like this. And he goes... By the law, the holy prophet Joseph Smith, I cannot touch my bodies or the bodies of others in a natural experimental way. By the law, the holy prophet, hold a book of Mormon firmly in hand. Sing a Mormon song. Sing a Mormon song. So Kirk ends up having a nice time to completion. (laughs) To completion. The thing is, at one point, because there's all this talk about how, like, he... She raped him. Did she not rape him? And then Errol Morris asks her straight up. Do you think a woman can rape a man? And you guys, she... (laughs) Jillian's face. She has the most ridiculous and amazing and, like, visually satisfying answer. You guys just heard it in the trailer. Yeah. Let's hear it again. (laughs) No. I think that's like putting a marshmallow in a parking meter. A guy either wants to have sex or he doesn't. He has an erection or he doesn't. 
she's an asshole. Yeah. Like that absolutely can happen, Joyce and everyone listening. That is yeah. a thing. That yeah. is a thing. And she for her to just be like, oh please, right, is awful. So, I gotta tell you, I know you hate her. I kind of love her. I do kind of. I love know, her. If, she, if she didn't rape somebody and kidnap them yeah, just, and yes. then like believe it and try mm-hmm. to act like the victim here, <laughs> I'm sure she'd be a fun time at a party. <laughs> you know she has black beauties and scotch on her at all times. <laughs> And we're back. All right, so back to the cottage and poor, confused, maybe sexually assaulted Kirk. What's the gay guy's name again? Troy. Troy presents to us at some point in this movie three possible scenarios. Mm -hmm. Joyce's version, the version that we're going to hear Kirk tell in court, which is basically that she forced him and she raped him and it was against his will the whole time. Uh And then like the third version, which is somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. The third scenario is something in between. There was a consensual aspect to his getaway with her. But then somewhere along the line, he had second thoughts, and he wanted it to stop, and it didn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm in, in Team Troy with this. I'm in Team Troy with this, too, except for the fact that then, like, the next day or two or whatever, they actually get on the train and they go to London. We went into town, to London, and we saw Trafalgar Square. They had, like, pigeons. We fed the pigeons. And so I said, oh, Kirk, we've got this cool cafe we want to take to. It's called the Hard Rock Cafe. They're walking around in public, and she's like, they, she calls them bobbies. There's like, she has like no time for the <laughs> police in the UK. <laughs> she says there's police everywhere, and there were cops running around everywhere. What do they call them, bobbies or whatever? British cops. If Kirk felt kidnapped at any time, he could have said, "Hey, this little pint-sized girl here has me kidnapped." Can you please help me, Ossifer? But he didn't. This pint-sized girl is holding me against my will. We get it. You have an itty-bitty waist, okay? <laughs> we get it. First of all, he knows that this woman, there's chloroform involved. There is a gun. Right. There is a brute. She was capable of kidnapping him and tying him up and restraining him. Yeah. He doesn't know what she's capable of. So then Kirk wants to get the newspaper. So he gets the newspaper and like his kidnapping is all over the paper. Right. Slam that newspaper down on the table. He's white as a ghost. It was so shocking. It sounded like Scotland Yard was after us or something. And I'm sitting there with my, quote, kidnapped victim eating a burger. And then Kirk says, well, I have an idea. Yeah. I'll go home by myself. And like, and I'll tell them that I'm fine and I will handle this. By myself, but you stay here. But you guys stay here. I'll get on a train that's going to go a zillion miles an hour in the opposite direction and you guys stay here. And I will back away slowly with my hands up and I'll go away. Kirk. And Joyce is like, okay, cool. Joyce. <laughs> But she's bad at kidnapping too. Like, <laughs> as soon as she like lets him go at Victoria Station, she does have a moment of panic. KJ and I turned and walked away. And he goes, "Don't worry, he'll be okay. The dude loves you. You got the man you love. What you worried about?" I said, "I don't know, KJ. Some nagging feeling. I'm worried." So he goes back and, of course, like completely denounces the whole situation. Right. Okay. Now here's a twist. Okay. The phone message. Right, 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 right. Could so she- they've been out of t- – so all, all she knows is that Kirk has gone back and is now renouncing her. And the press is, like, yeah. all over it. Yeah. It's a handwritten message from Kirk that she had an answering service. Joyce right. had an answering service, yes. and Kirk called. I got this weird phone call. I had an answering service. It said, it's been really crazy here, but I finally got him off my back. I still love you. Call me Urgent. Epson 25724. Urgent. 
So could she have written this message herself? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she calls and she's like, and some Mormon answered. Right. She pretends to be, who does she pretend to be? Some woman asking for a baptism for Millie, who's her dog. <laughs> right. And they pick a rendezvous point. Right. So now the idea is that like she is going to meet him somewhere and they're going to go off to their wedding. So now the the KJ and Joyce are like in the car. They're driving to like meet him. Well, she's singing I'm Getting Married in the Morning. Right. She's in a cupcake of a wedding dress in the car so now i mean kirk probably set her up with that message i totally think that's what happened yeah and so now the cops run kj and joyce off the road these cop cars ran us off the road they just literally edged us off the road and then when they threw us up against the police car and said you're under arrest for false imprisonment and carrying away kirk anderson i couldn't believe it it was just like shock and there is this tabloid photo that you cannot stage it's so perfect yeah yeah she's in this huge poofy (laughs) wedding dress tears and mascara running down her face i know reaching yeah (laughs) trying to break free from the cops it is it's it's tragic fantastic yeah 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 yeah. so now they arrest her okay and now um so that was in that was on september 19th 1977 what joyce thought was going to be her anniversary oh god so now, cut to December 7th, 1977. This is her bail hearing. And the right. whole planet's there. <laughs> there was standing room only. There were little old ladies with their shopping carts oogling for places to stand. The banners outside, free Joyce, free Joyce. And she puts on quite a performance. Yeah. So the lawyer is like probably just like, oh, you know, so doing like, a pro- right. like appropriate talk totally. for a lawyer. And Joyce is like, here, like, here she is, world. <laughs> Here's Rose. And she basically does this like razzle dazzle Billy Flynn from 40 Chicago. 40 minute monologue, which we learn after the fact. We, hear, we see a TV reporter who's like. For 55 minutes, Miss McKinney poured out her statement to an occasionally confused magistrate. At one point, he stopped her and said, I'm lost. And Miss McKinney, speaking in a North Carolina drawl, put the whole case in this way. Referring to the young Mormon, Kirk Anderson, she said, he put me in prison to save himself from excommunication and family disgrace. This was a phony kidnap, according to Miss McKinney. Referring to the episode down in the Devon Cottage, she said, we had three days of fun, food, and sex. She talked for 45 minutes, often confusing the magistrates. At one point, they had to stop her and say, I'm lost. (laughs) And in her, she's like, thank God for those drama lessons. She's like, I had them laughing. I had them crying. She says she had them throwing spitballs at the Mormons. Joyce, you most certainly did not. She might have a Patrick Hines quality of embellishing a story. A little bit. She would have skied down Mount Everest nude with a carnation in her nose. She said, and that becomes like, a whatever. She's out of her mind. Yeah, it becomes a cartoon and yeah. all the tabloids. And the thing that happens is that then like when it's Kirk's turn to testify, he basically is like, yeah, no, I didn't want to be there. She forced me. Right. And her take on that is like, no, he looked at the main Mormon guy and was like, you will say what we rehearsed. I want him to be strong and say, yes, I love her. And I'm going to tell the truth right now. Let's get rid of this. But he was so scared. You know, you can tell a lie long enough till you believe it. So she goes to jail. Right. But here's the thing. This is when the tabloids go nuts. So she puts on this performance and she basically turns herself into a a (laughs) trashy celebrity (laughs) back in the 70s. Right. And Peter, of course, is like, there's something in the story for everyone. There's sex. There's kidnapping. I mean, he is foaming at the mouth. I mean, it had kinky sex, it had religion, it had a beauty queen, kidnap at gunpoint, chains being spread-eagled, it had Mormon missionaries. There was something in that story for everyone. It was a perfect tabloid story. 
Okay, so after like this court date, she goes to jail for three months, mm-hmm. and then she she gets let out. On, she gets let out. Yeah, KJ pays the bill. Right, totally. With her and, endless flow of money. Oh my god! They send a, somebody sends a limo to the jail. It's unbelievable. I, <laughs> and she's like a celebrity now. But I don't want nobody look at me. Don't I look great? But nobody look at me. Right, exactly. Enough. So she starts doing like a literally like a press junket. She becomes like a celebrity. She's like, I'm already writing on my book. You're just like. <laughs> If you don't want anyone to pay attention to you, stop asking for She's like, I'm returning fan letters. I'm doing interviews. So what have these last few months been like for you? Well, I've been very busy. Um, It's been amazing the way the public has responded to my case. I got close to a thousand letters from the British public. The rest of the time that I'm not answering letters or something of this nature, I'm working on my book. Then she gets invited to like crazy parties she gets invited to the opening night party for saturday night fever you guys johnny travolta was she there calls him johnny travolta johnny travolta the bgs were dancing with her keith moon oh wanted God. to meet her and kiss her in front of his girlfriend i know keith moon he was the drummer for the who spied me and he told one of the reporters i want to meet the girl he was with his girlfriend i mean there was nothing between me and keith but he came over and he says joycey girl i'm gonna give you a big old smooch and he just kissed me but then she also gets invited to the premiere of a movie called The Stud. Because Peter's editor tells him, right. get Joyce, hire Rolls Royce, take her to the premiere of The Stud and upstage Joan Collins. Which they totally and did. And Errol's like, can you really do that? And Peter's like, we did. <laughs> he turns into Tim Curry. <laughs> he stepped out to this Rolls Royce and all the press went mad. I mean, it was as if, the, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe got was a queen. I mean, certainly more excitement than when Joan Collins got out of her limousine. So she is, like, fully famous. And then they fled. Don't say the word fled. (laughs) I never fled. Don't use the word fled. I resent the word fled. I left. Her and KJ left the country in disguise, but they didn't flee. You guys, this story, when I when I listened to this story this afternoon, watching this before Jillian got here, all I could imagine was having this part of this conversation with you. It's it's happening. Are you ready? Take us through it, please, Jillian. So they get death certificates of two dead people. <laughs> Which she says, I don't think they'll mind. I went and I got the birth certificates of two dead people. I didn't figure they'd mind. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I, do I could th- never I do any of this. And then she put on a fat suit, you know, like in Norbit. <laughs> I put on a granny wig and I made me a fat suit. You know what a fat suit is, like in Norbit. I said, Keith, we're going home. So they wore wigs, changed each other's complexion. But then what did they find out? Well, then she reads. I don't know where she reads it. She (laughs) finds out somewhere that there is a deaf acting troupe traveling around. I found out there was a troupe of deaf actors going to the States via Canada. Well, let me tell you, I put some little signs on us and it said, I am deaf, but I can lip read. Please enunciate your words slowly and speak clearly. So she's traveling with her third teen suitcases <laughs> plus all the emotional baggage <laughs> and she gets through custom now when you when it's one person or two people with 13 you're just like well, what girl so she gets through customs by writing down on a piece of paper i tired may i go now please and she goes oh you're deaf okay we cannot get our interpreter at night and she's talking louder and louder she gives me a pencil and I write down, I tired. May I go now, please? Letty goes, eh, go on. And she makes it home. She gets home. Right. 
And then she decides that she's she calls Peter when she gets to wherever she is, and she wants to sell the story to the Daily Express for forty thousand pounds. Right. I did some googling. Uh huh. After converting that to dollars and seeing like what it would be now, that was about two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars today. Oh my god! Today, that's how much it would be. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, right? But the story that she feeds Peter is like. The Joyce version of this movie, it's all of the lies or whatever. It's all of the very soft version of this that like she was in love and she they kidnapped him and she went to save him and they fall for it hook, line and sinker. Right. And giving us all this nonsense, which is a totally sanitized version of the truth. And we were falling for it, of course, getting it all onto these little tape recorders and thinking, God, Hasn't the Express got a great story here? So, but also at the same time, like this rival trashy tabloid. The Daily Mirror. The Daily Mirror is in LA digging up dirt on her. Kent Gavin, the photographer, oh my is God. doing all this. Kent. The Daily Mirror had meantime had their reporters in Los Angeles digging up all this stuff about her uh, activities as a, as a, I don't know, not a call girl, but as a, as a, well, I suppose she was. I mean, she was, uh, she was being paid, paid for sexual services. But this was all long before her uh, escapades in the UK. So he realizes that she was a call girl. How does he get this information? From Steve Moskowitz, her ex-boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend. Who sings like a canary. At first he's at first he doesn't. Right. And then Kent's like, I can get you alone in a hotel room with Joyce. And right. so Steve's like, okay. <laughs> Once he told me that he was still madly in love with her, I said, look, Steve, if you want to be at her side for the trial at the Old Bailey, we will pay a first-class air ticket for you and put you up in a hotel in London so you can be with her. The next morning, I'm in a hotel at Santa Monica, 8 o'clock in the morning. The phone goes, Steve. I'm downstairs. He produced six strips of black and white contacts. And then, like, well, eventually we'll hear Joyce's version of this. What happens is that this guy, Steve, is, like, just giving photos to the Daily Mirror of, like, at first they're, like, innocent photos. But then he, like, breaks into her stuff, gives the, gives them a phone bill full of photographers. Right. And then they, they hunt down these photographers with all these nudie pictures. And nobody knew who she was because she never used her name. They just knew her by the by girl the with dog. the dog. With Millie. Right. Because she brought the dog with her everywhere. Yeah. But like what comes out of all of this is like all of these like topless nudie photos. And basically the mirror publishes all of it. All of it. So the Daily Mirror basically the same week that the Express publishes the story that Joyce gave them, like basically all the lies about how great she is. The same week the Daily Mirror <laughs> publishes the story about like how she was like a nudie, like dominatrix call girl, right? And sh- Joyce goes berserk. Yeah, she loses it. Loses her mind. Like she's in the room with some of these reporters, and she was so um, appalled and enraged and distressed about all the stuff that this mirror, the mirror had been printing about her because she had no idea this was going to happen at all. She just went crazy, went absolutely crazy. I mean, she was really scary, really scary. She appeared to kind of fly across the room, as far as I remember, and clung onto the curtains, which partly came away on the rail. She was completely hysterical. Then she went for the balcony. I dived after and sort of grabbed her by the ankles. I don't know whether she was going to jump off because if she had done, I think there were probably tourists on deck chairs underneath. She would have probably taken them out too. So it would have been 
Very embarrassing, to say the least. Then they take her to the hospital, and they're like, oh, I thought they were going to give her a pill. They sedate her. They shove a needle in her. But then give her right back to these horrible men. And then her father tries to give her a hug, and she bites him (laughs) and rips his skin off. So, like, no one is doing well here. Her father, this gentle man, came in with his wife and tried to put his arms around Joyce, and she just sunk her teeth into his forearm. And uh, there was an awful kind of tussle. And he managed to get himself free, and there was blood trickling down his arm. He's been attacked by a vampire. <laughs> and then she's all mad. She's like, everyone comes out of the woodwork when you're famous, y'all. Like, right. I just don't know. So it's like you're admitting you're famous. Like, she's loving this. But she's also fully denying that there is that any of those nudie pictures are real. The sun put my head on another person's naked body, and she was flat-chested as a board. I mean, the girl was flat in her front. As you see, I'm not flat in my front. Errol Morris is questioning this photographer, saying, mm-hmm. like, she's saying those pictures are doctored. And he's like, no, you can't doctor negatives. Like, I have the negatives, and you can't doctor those. Well, her claim is, of course, that the pictures were doctored. You don't doctor negatives. We had the negative, print, and the magazine. Get out of that, Joyce. And Errol Morris was like, great, do you still have those? And he's like, well, actually... Do you still have the photographs? Unfortunately, only the pictures that were published in the mirror at the time. The file, which was between eight hundred and a thousand pictures were all locked up in a safe but unfortunately the mirror group changed ownership and along with a lot of other things all that dossier went missing so that sort of that part of the story sort of dies away i don't know if like the charges are still pending in in england yeah that was back in 77 78 and then we just sort of cut to 1984 yeah just like out of Aaron morris is like i have an academy award i'm gonna do whatever i want yeah i just enough with these crazy insane yeah. people 1984 is kind of crazy because what happens well, my shoulders are up to my ears. Well, we find out that Joyce just stumbles upon Kurt and his, her words, Oh my God. overweight Mormon wife. The shade that she has for this man's wife is unreal. Unreal. Yeah. For someone who doesn't want any judgment on her, she judges everybody. You saw him in 1984? Yeah. Yeah, I was at the airport and his overweight Mormon wife saw me and I guess she was disturbed I was using the public airport she went and called the police and said oh McKinney's here go get her and she's talking about how like she probably would have cried her eyes out if the woman had been beautiful she's thrilled that she's an overweight I know. not blonde <laughs> beauty queen we get it Joyce beauty queen we get it I was kind of glad she was not too good looking <laughs> I mean if she'd been really great looking I would have probably felt really awful you know cried my eyes out but it wasn't any competition if you know what I mean the only thing she had that I didn't have was a hundred extra pounds and she was a Mormon and what is Kirk doing for a living he's a doo-doo dipper (laughs) again Joyce's words what was his job at the airport I hate to say this but he was a doo-doo dipper a doo-doo dipper yeah what is a doo-doo dipper that's someone who takes the doo-doo off the back of the plane and then the thing is, the funny thing is, like, you, there are photographs of the time of Kirk coming out of a grocery store. Like, you actually do kind of see what Kirk looks like at the time. Right. And then she gets arrested for stalking him. Yeah. I mean, it's really not a good look, Joyce. It's, she is, like, she's legit stalking him. She was found lurking outside his office. I think she was arrested for stalking him or something. <laughs> so then now we get into her life in 1986 and her dogs. So this is like a whole, the movie is almost over, but like it, it's like a whole we new movie. We take a sharp turn. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and suddenly we're in 1986 in her home with these dogs. Look. <laughs> 
I love talking about dogs. Yeah. I love stories about dogs. But immediately when there's a dog in a story or a movie, I'm like, does it die? What I happens know, to the dog? Know, what I the know, hell? I know. So Joyce goes explains that she's she has what's called agoraphobia. Right. <laughs> where she's just scared to be outside. That's a real thing. I'm not laughing yeah, at agoraphobia. Sure. Yeah, I'm not yeah, at all. Yeah. But now at this point, how many times have I said according to Joyce? It's like. <laughs> I finally got what's called agoraphobia. It's when you can't go out of the house. We had a. A big old farmhouse with a river on one side and woods on the other. And we thought that was like a natural barrier to paparazzi. But they would just put on fisherman boots and just wade right through that river. So she gets this dog to protect her, and the dog gets stung by a bee. And she claims, according to Joyce, everybody drink, (laughs) according to Joyce. The ladies at the vet thought it would be funny to poison the dog with the medicine. It's Because they say she says that they don't like her. These two women that worked at the pharmacy who didn't like me decided that it'd just be a hoot to add a zero onto that prednisone description for Joyce McKinney's guard dog. Wouldn't that be funny? Probably drive him nutty, wouldn't it? Well, it drove him more than nutty. They say that it causes the dog to go insane. Literally rip Joyce limb from limb. Rip her intestines out. Rip her st- her stomach lining. You guys, I'm laughing because it's so crazy. I'm and not leave her for I- dead. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing because like it's really. Fu- I feel like I could also easily cry. It's really crazy. But it also probably didn't happen. How does someone get ripped limb from limb? Their intestines ripped out and their stomach lining. Wait, do you think it didn't happen? Patrick. <laughs> I'm such a dummy. I totally bought it. I totally fell for Go it. Go back and listen to the description again. She's le- she's like a, a walking dead extra, according to her. Her She, she literally says limb from limbs. How do you rip a, your stomach open I know. and you're in, pull your someone's intestines out and their uterine lining? And then this other dog named fucking Booger <laughs> saves her life from the Mastiff who went crazy. So Booger saves her life, pulls the Mastiff off her off she of Joyce. She says it was a fight to the death. It was a fight to the death. But then she also says before that the dog's brain exploded from the poison. So Joyce, which is it? Like nothing makes any sense. And the reason I could talk about it without crying is because I know that's not that's not what happened to the goddamn dog. God. The night that this big mastiff attacked me, the guard dog, I got next door to where Booger was. I said, help me, Booger. And Booger shot out, and he jumped on that other dog and pulled it off of me. It was a fight to the death, and I thought, poor little Booger, he's going to give himself in a Christ-like love for me. When I came home from the hospital, he sat on the bed beside me, and we healed together, and we formed a bond, a friendship. I don't know if Booger was... Na- I don't know. I don't know. I know. His name is Booger. I'm sorry, Booger. I love you. All dogs... Sometimes great dogs happen to insane people. I don't know what to tell you. So then it's like an hour. We're still talking about these dead dogs. It's like an hour in. So then I'm like, why are we focusing on the dogs? Oh, because she wants to clone the fucking dog. So the dog dies and she decides that she's going to have the dog cloned. And I'd had such a sad laugh, you know, with all the tablet mitts. And I thought... I just want the hurt to stop, and I can't do without him. Then I heard about cloning. 
You know, I thought, well, I'll just give it a stab. So she now she not gets, before she does a racist impression I was of just the guy. Say, she gets super racist and without even knowing it, she does like she finds this Korean doctor. She talks. She talks in his voice, which we're not going to play in that. His name is Jin Han Hung, PhD. And when she says his name, it's like you can't understand it. She does an impersonation of him. Whatever. whatever. Gets in touch with him. He's like, I can clone your dog. Yeah, and it's crazy. They like actually clone this dog, and there's like six of them or something. Right. But what this really what happens is all of a sudden Joyce is back in the spotlight. Oh my God, shocking. <laughs> it was in all the papers. Dog cloning girl turns out to be the Joyce McKinney because she pretended it wasn't her to start with. She, she called herself Brennan McKinney. Something like Brennan, was it? Berman McKinney or something like that. I forget what name she used. And I knew right away it was Joyce. Why? Well, I think there was a photograph <laughs> and she hadn't changed that much. So basically it ends with Joyce like saying that she loves dogs because they don't judge her and they don't read the tabloids, which yeah. is like heartbreakingly accurate. But Joyce, you did this to yourself. <laughs> um, and then she just basically like it ends with this old footage of her from the 70s reading oh an God. excerpt from the book that doesn't exist. But in the third person <laughs> and she's like, Joyce decided to never find love again. Joyce will die old and alone and you're like you're 32 years old this is 1978 what are you doing time changes but the scene is still the same joyce is now a lonely old woman like narcissus she is pining to death dying of a broken heart oh girl god that was that was i laughed a lot yeah that that was <laughs> you guys, a couple quick things. Um, find us on Spotify. A lot of you already are. I see Spotify notifications I know. all the time. Join our Facebook group. It's uh, the True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. We've got like a thousand members. We're obsessed with it's it. It's amazing. Um, and please review us on iTunes. We're at almost 600 <gasps> reviews. Oh my God. 600. That's crazy. You guys, if you haven't done it yet, it takes one second. Just do it. I love you forever. Uh, Jillian Pensavale, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed. No ED. On Twitter and truecrimeobsessed.com. Stream our episodes. Yeah. Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G, spelled out like that. Uh, I'm at Patrick Hines on the Twitter and at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. And okay, next week, you okay, we've gotten a lot of requests for this. We're doing a documentary called The Price of Gold, you guys. This it's, is is the, this the 30 for 30? Yes, Carrigan? it is. It is it's, it's, guys, weirdly, yes! it's, it's a sports documentary thing. but It's, it's hardly a sports <laughs> documentary. How dare you? Hardingly. <gasps> it's the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing, you guys. I cannot tell you how obsessed I was when I was a kid. I was obsessed with this with story. story. Obsessed. And these 30 for 30 documentaries are so effing well done. I'm I know, so they excited. Are. They I can't wait. It's I can't wait. amazing. You can find it on like ESPN or you can find it... Like, Whatever, you can find it. Google it. I mean, I've never heard a scream like that. It's just an awful, horrified type of scream. What happened? What happened? And she said, somebody hit me. You ready? Details are a little bit sketchy. She was struck several times. And uh, hit her several times. Once, twice, I'm not really sure. There's been a violent attack on an American athlete. Nancy Kerrigan was attacked as she left the ice. Attacked by an unknown assailant. It was such a bizarre story that you just kind of went, what? I'm trying to get a description from the lady. No. 
There, there must be some mistake. That just doesn't happen. Security is high. They're doing a thorough investigation to try and find the man who did it. NBC's now breaking the story that Tanya Harding... Authorities are focusing their attention on Tanya Harding. Plot designed to steal Olympic gold. I mean, the rumors were just flying immediately. Wouldn't it be wild if Tanya had something to do with this? There had never been in the history of sports anything like this. Jillian, we're going to do our outtakes, and then this week's palate cleanser was a suggestion from you. Yeah. A song from the original cast of... The The Book of Mormon. Hello! (laughs) Bump! I started that dating late in life. Oh my God, I know. She has a 168 IQ, girl. (laughs) She hadn't seen the world much, and then she went to Utah. Like, it's just, we got to just keep, we just got to start she she teach but she like she met she uh, this maybe I'll take I'll start a sentence and then go with it maybe these cups have water in them I swear to well, God I, sw- I wish they didn't but they do like one of those like tabloid reporters from London Peter Tory it's the Daily Express no relation to Roma Tory by no. the way which no. is a big disappointment no. to me Roma Tory whatever I w- I'm not getting into that again no I love the part about. Getting my own planet. Oh my god! I know, yeah. I know. Anyway, um, I want my own planet with Daisy. I've decided. You're getting one when I die, but I'm not a Mormon. It's okay. I can still have one. Sure. Just because you said so. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get to Mormon heaven and be like Jillian Benzavali sent me. You're gonna get the celestial kingdom <laughs> and say I want my own planet and I want it now. <laughs> you guys don't know the work I've done for Broadway. You owe me for how all the help I did on Brooke of Mormon. Whatever. Just say that. It's fine. <laughs> Do you, Kelly, will you give me a note or something? Yeah, no, I'll write you a note. <laughs> Absolutely. Garbage person. Oh, ooh, that was... I harmonized much better at the top of the episode. <clears throat> and she's like, that's where I'm writing my book. And yeah. there's my father napping. And then she's talking about like... And then she's like, and this shot shows absolutely nothing. And you're like, great. Monster. Garbage. <laughs> And doing random shit. She just had these two men who were like pawing at her right. and like drooling over her. Just like Story do everything for of her. of my life. Oh, girl, I know. I Let just want to live. live. I know. God, it's like. Let me live. God it's damn it. It's so hard. Garbage. We need a button where it's just like, bing, garbage. We need to get a bell. We need a bell. Oh my God, we need, we're like, getting a garbage bell. Effects. We're getting a garbage bell. Because I can't just bang. I can't. That's not going to work. <laughs> Hello, would you like to change religions? I have a free book written by Jesus. No, no, Elder Cunningham. That's not how we do it. You're making things up again. Just stick to the approved dialogue. Elder, show us. Hello, hello. My name is Elder Cunningham. And we would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Hello.
about Ollie real quick? I know you love it. Well, yeah. So my pup Pete is on a diet. Poor thing. I know, but not <laughs> not really because he has Ollie now. You guys, we got a lot to tell you about Ollie. Let's go. Ollie puts dogs first with vet formulated recipes and fully transparent ingredients to give your dog the healthiest food possible. Right. So that means they make fresh meals for dogs with real ingredients that you guys, we can eat the ingredients. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they deliver it to your door on a regular schedule. They beat out store-bought dog food 10 to 1 on the palatability scale. Pete doesn't know he's on a diet. Right <laughs> And so these vet-formulated recipes, they're made with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and they're sourced from U.S. family farms. You guys, go to myolly.com, answer a few questions about your dog, and they'll customize recipe to your dog and ship pre-portioned meals so your pup gets the perfect portion every time. I know, they address it to Pete. It's the cutest thing in the world. Do they really? Yes. (laughs) You guys, they've delivered 5 million meals and counting. Shipping is free, and if your dog doesn't love the meals, they have a money-back guarantee. Right, so Ollie is offering our listeners 60% off your first box plus a free bag of treats at myolly.com slash try slash TCO. This is the best deal they have available anywhere, you guys. Go to myolly.com slash try slash TCO for 60% off plus a free bag of treats. Right, and that's spelled myolly.com slash try slash TCO. Go! Go! We love you. Love you, dogs. Bye. <laughs>